Second Corinthians chapter number 6, and we're going to read the first two verses, and we'll pretty much stay pretty close to this passage of Scripture. But Second Corinthians chapter number 6, and in verse number 1, it says, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. In our text here, Paul's admonition to the brethren, and we know it's for all of us, as the Holy Spirit has it penned in the Scriptures, and it says in verse number 1, we then, we then, this is for all of us. And Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, but we have it in our Scriptures because this applies, this is for us. And, um, and I want us to consider what Paul is saying here. I would start and lay a preface in this that I think all of us would agree that God has been very good to all of us. God has blessed all of us in so many ways, and God's been good to us, and I'm so thankful for the blessings of God in our life, and, and I pray that maybe you'll take an opportunity this evening to get stop and give praise to the Lord, but God has been good to every one of us. Um, I am thankful today that uh, the greatest blessing in my life, and I hope in yours, is that God has saved us, and uh, to know that we're going to heaven. Uh, I preached at the uh, nursing home services we had this week that... Uh, um, you know, they have everything decorated in their St. Patrick's Day stuff, and uh, there's four-leaf clovers and, and uh, horseshoes hanging places. And, um, and, uh, and I, I uh, preached uh, four different times uh, on this uh, message that I'm glad that me going to heaven is not up to luck. First John says, these things are written unto you. We believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants us to know that we're going to heaven. And I'm thankful today that I stand before you and I can tell you that I know I'm going to heaven. And it's not based on who I am or anything that I've done. It's what Christ did for me. And I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But God's been good to us. God has saved our soul. And God has an expectation for us to live for Him. God's desire for us is to live for him as a servant of Christ. Now, that is what this passage is talking about, and I'll show you that here this morning. But uh, in light of that, he kind of gives a preface to that and why he can make this statement, we then, all right, because of what he said in front of that. All right, knowing what he's just said, we then, all right, can do these things. So, so what is it? Well, glance back at chapter number five, verse number nine. I think this is good to keep in mind that all of us one day will stand before him. It says in chapter 5, verse number 9, whether, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. We as believers will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day. And a lot of times, uh, we all, I think, would say we believe it, but do we act that way all the time? But 
we all will stand before him one day. We ought to, in verse number 14, and he talks a little bit more about standing before the Lord, but in verse number 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Christ died for us, and the great love that he showed for us should constrain us from going down the wrong paths in this life. Say, why, why, why don't you do certain things? Why don't you dress certain ways? Why don't you listen to certain things? Because I love the Lord. I'm not trying to get any favor from Him. He already loves me. He always will love me, but I love Him. And, uh, and I always give the same, you know, a, a simple, same illustration. And, uh, but, uh, you know, my wife, one of her pet peeves is that uh, she likes when the drawers are pushed in and the cabinet doors are shut. And that's just what she likes, right? That's what she likes. Yeah, and it makes sense to her, yeah? Uh, you know, but it makes sense to me, you know, I would get a new pair of socks in the morning, so big deal, all right? The drawer's a little bit open, right? Uh, I'll be getting in that drawer tomorrow, right? And, uh, you know, I, I reach in there and get a can of Vienna sausages. I'll probably come back and get a second one, right? You know, and not in my sock drawer, although <laughs> in the cabinets. Although, I wouldn't put that behind, hey, all right? Uh, but, you know, so, you know, you're coming back. And, you know, Hope will probably come through. And she'll come, my wife will come through. She'll probably grab something out of her, right? Uh, before the night's, but she likes them all shut. So every time I get my socks out, I sit there, I put my socks on, I see that drawer, and it runs through my mind. Close the, close the sock drawer. You know, if I don't, she's not going to love me less. If I don't, she probably won't even mention it. But I know that she's pleased when the sock drawer's closed. And I do it because I love her. In this world, right, you say, well, God still loves me if I... You're right. He does. Fill in the blank, whatever. He does. But you don't love him like you should. Because the love of Christ constrains us. Because of that love that I have, I want to do things that I know pleases him. And so because of this, God expects us to live for him because we're go knowing we're going to stand before him, knowing the great love that he has for us, and, and, and this, that we should serve him because he saved us. We keep reading in verse number 15, and that he died in chapter 5, and that he died for all that they which uh, live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We should want to serve God. There should be something in the heart of every believer that I want to serve the Lord. And that's why you get to chapter number 6 and it says, We then as workers together with him. This should be something that is natural in the Christian's life. That knowing that, that he saved me, knowing that I'm going to stand before him, knowing the great love that he has, knowing all the blessings that he's blessed us with, knowing that he died and rose again for me and you, there should be something in our life that we want to serve the Lord. We want to be, as Paul put it, workers for God. Now I'm looking at a church that is busy. Um, we have a lot of ministries, and uh, and praise the Lord for them, right? And uh, you know we have uh, so many different uh, uh, outreaches, and um, you know we we now have 
uh, two, four, six uh, nursing home services every week. All right, you know, uh, uh, praise the Lord for those outreaches. All right, uh, we we ran our routes this morning. Praise the Lord. And I saw kids getting off of them. All right, that is exciting. Praise the Lord for that. All right, excited for for that ministry. I'm excited for uh, uh, all the junior churches and the Sunday schools and and those who visit and uh, those who knock on doors and and praise the Lord for all the ministries. But it's all about this because we just want to serve the Lord. He deserves that. And I preach this message not because we're not busy. We have a lot of ministries. But I want to challenge every believer today to understand why we're doing what we do. And I want to challenge every member of this church that if you're not involved in serving the Lord, get involved in serving the Lord. Church, you're missing one of the great purposes of the church. You say, I'm a member. That's great. But it, the church has been given what's called the Great Commission. I mean, that, that's what we're here for, to train, to grow for the perfecting of the saints so that we can go do the work. And if we're not doing the work, you know, I, you know I, for a couple of years, I worked at Dunkin' Donuts here recently. You know, if I would have went there and they just said, all right, here's what you do today, Travis. Sit in that chair and just listen. I would have learned how everything works. But eventually, I don't want to go there. Right? Eventually, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it, yeah. You know why people slip out of church many times? Because all they do is sit for years and they never get involved in anything. And you're missing the joy of being a member of the church. Because Paul, what is our joy, right? you in the presence of the Lord one day. It's all about reaching people. So I want to consider now being a worker for Christ this morning. Look, look in chapter number six. All right, just a couple points in these two verses that we read. Number one, I want you to mark this, that it is a privilege. A privilege. We then, as workers, it is a privilege to serve God. It is a privilege to serve the Lord. And again, I'm not trying to like, you know, you know, listen to me. I'm trying to brainwash you. No, it's just, it's what Paul said in Romans chapter number 12. It's reasonable service. After all that God has done for us, we should desire to do this. You know, if someone walked up to, uh, you know, uh, I'll just pick somebody, right? Uh, someone walked up to Brother Jordan today, right? And uh, they said, Brother Jordan, I uh, love you and your family. I know uh, collected some diapers for your family next door. And uh, there's some baby wipes over there. And I'm sure it would be a blessing. Brother Jordan said, yeah, that's great. But then the person says, but I also want to give you $10 million to pay off your house so you don't have right. You guys can just live as a family and just enjoy without any cares the rest of your life. Would that be awesome, Brother Jordan? Yeah, all right, yeah, all right. Whoever that person would be, which I don't see anybody in the room that can do that. All right, but whoever that person is, Brother Jordan, if that guy ever had a need, if that guy, whoever, let's pretend it was, uh, you know, Brother Elam. Brother Elam's got $10 million laying around he don't need, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, but he did that. And all of a sudden, you know, Brother Elam's like, boy, my mower broke down. I, I, I need someone to mow my grass. You know who'd be the first person to volunteer? Who should be? Brother Jordan, oh, I'll do it, Brother Elam. Right? 
You know, our refrigerator, you know, quit working and uh, our food's going to go bad. I need someone to store our food. Hey, right here. Why would Brother Jordan volunteer? That's reasonable, right? After the great gift that Brother Elam would have given him, of course we would do that. But sadly, something far greater has happened in all of our lives. God has saved us from an eternity in hell. He has delivered us. He has given us a home in heaven, a, a, a eternity with God, and, 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 and all that is heaven, and all that it is eternity with Him. And I can talk about the street of gold and all the mansions and all that, that comes with that, and we ought to rejoice in that. God has done that for us. Without Him, we would be condemned to hell. That's why it's reasonable. How could we not serve this God? How could we sit back and just twiddle our thumbs all the time and invest just in ourselves and never find anything to do for the Lord? Shame on us. It is a privilege to serve God. It should be something we want to do. There is no greater privilege than to be called a child of God. God doesn't, again, understand this, all right? We have, you know, don't be a couch potato, pew potato, church potato, whatever, right? Get up and serve the Lord. It is a privilege. Number two, he says, we then as workers, number two, I think it's great to notice our partner. We then as workers, together with him. That's awesome. It went with our reading of our text this morning to yoke up with the Lord. But who are you partnering with in this work? We then, as workers together with him. Who's the him? That's the Lord, amen? That's our God, amen? We, we are our, our partner in this, are, are working in, 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 in this world and the work that we do for him. He is right there with us. Now understand when Paul wrote these words, I believe the Apostle Paul would agree with what I'm about to say. God didn't need Paul. He's God. There's none of us in this room that could say, boy, God needs me. I mean, look what all I bring to the table, right? No. You know, I, I've coached basketball for 20 years now, and uh, I've had a few players, right? Uh, none recently, right? Uh, but a few players that, that they, uh, they, they joined the team with this, and, you know, you need me. You need me. And uh, no, I really don't. One of those guys one time walked in my office. He said, can I, can I tell you something? He just knocked and walked in. He had an attitude. And he goes, I'm quitting the team. I said, okay. He was like, okay. I was like, yeah, okay. Well, I'll probably leave school too. I said, okay. Appreciate you letting me know. And he stood there like I was supposed to beg him to stay or something. I was like, okay. Now, I hate he made those decisions. Because what he didn't realize is he needed that team. And he needed the influence in his life. But sometimes we walk around as Christians thinking, boy, look what all I bring to the table, man. That choir would be nothing without me. That, that Sunday school class would be nothing if I weren't there. No, no. It's all about the Lord. God doesn't need us. It's a privilege to be able to work with him. It's not about our work. It's about his work. 
and the more we understand the privilege it is to serve and who we're partnering with in serving, that we get to be workers with Him. We get to serve with the Lord. We, we, as we live in this life and we do what we're supposed to do, God is working with us and through us. And look at me real quick, teachers, ministries. We need God's help and God's power in our life to accomplish anything. And that only comes through a walk with Him, a time with Him, a surrender to Him, a hatred of sin, a separation in our life. We need that. You know, the power of God. You know, uh, you remember Samson. Samson was an amazing man, wasn't he? Sometimes, he's one of those guys. You know, Hebrews chapter 11, we always call Hebrews 11 the what? Hall of Faith, right? Or something like that. These men of great faith. And it always just, that's one that always scratched my head. Samson's in there, right? Uh, He would have not been on my first ballot, all right? You know what I mean? I mean, he lived his life. It wasn't like, boy, look at the faith, the faith, the faith. No, it's just like, you messed up, you messed up, you messed up, right? But God's a judge on those things, right? But Samson had his separation. God told him specifically, he took a Nazarite vow. He's not to touch anything that was dead. He was supposed to let his hair right, grow and all these things. And, and, uh, and, and, but understand this, it wasn't his hair that was the secret of his power. It was not him not touching anything dead that was the secret of his power. All right, he wasn't to drink wine, and, and I agree with that statement, but that was not the secret of his power. Every time that Samson did anything in the book of Judges, read it for yourself, every time, whether it was picking up the gates and carrying them out on his back, which is an amazing feat, or taking the jawbone of that donkey and slaying all the Philistines, or catching all those foxes, which is an absolutely, to me, the most amazing thing Samson did, right? It was a hundred foxes he caught and tied their tails together. Yeah. Good luck catching one, right? You know. Yeah. But he did all these things, but every time he ever did anything, it says this phrase in the book of Judges, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Get that? The Holy Spirit enabled him to do those things. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible is where it reads, right before he was captured by the Philistines, his eyes plucked out and made to be a slave. The Bible says that he wist not that the Spirit of God had departed from him. That's when he lost his power. And the power of God in Samson's life was the Spirit of God working. The same with the Lord's churches. When the Lord ascended, there in Acts chapter number 2, the Holy Spirit, as the Lord promised, descended. You and I, the moment we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our hearts. And the only way that we have the power of God to do anything is the Holy Spirit working in our life. Why did Samson lose that? He didn't realize, he wist not that the Spirit of God departed from him. But if we look at me at this, as David lost, I'm sorry, as Samson lost these areas of separation in his life, he then lost the power of God in his life. 
Amen? So you're stretching things. That's just exactly what happened. We have the Spirit of God in our life. Listen to me. That's why in the end times, there will be an abundance of the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They'll talk God all day. They'll talk Christianity all day. They'll, they'll quote a couple of scriptures. But listen, if the Holy Spirit's not there, there is no power of God there. And that's why they have to supplement all these things that please the flesh so you get a feeling like the Spirit of God's working. When it's not, it's just our own lust. We need the Holy Spirit of God. But how can I have the Holy Spirit of God working in my life to be filled with the Spirit of God? You need to walk with God. You need to be in the Word of God daily. You need to have a prayer life. And you need to make sure that your separation... You say, you're just at... Didn't he say that? The, the love of Christ does what? Constraineth me. If I want to... We then are going to be workers with Him. I need the power of God in my life. And that's why. One of the great reasons. I, we live and we preach holiness at our church not for God to love us more not to make us better than anybody else we're not we preach the love of God and we preach holiness because that's our way we ought to want to do these things because we love him and if we allow carnality in our lives and in our church and we start living according to our flesh and we just start listening to whatever, acting however, going wherever, drinking whatever, doing whatever, dressing whatever, and we could care less, the power of God, sadly, I believe you will wish not. But the power of God's departed. Now, he'll never leave you, but we grieve him. We suppress what he wants to do in our life. You and I ought to want to serve God. It is a privilege to serve God. But we are to be partners together with Him. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. Allow God to work through us. It is our desperate need in this hour and in these end times that we live in. That the power of God might be there. I want you to see thirdly some particulars. Some particulars. So what is this work that we're doing? It says in verse number 1, We then as workers together with Him. Well, what is the work that we're doing? Well, that was just described in chapter number 5. Jump up just a little bit in verse number 18. Chapter 5 and verse number 18. That's the we then. It's referring back to these two things. We then. What are we supposed to be doing? And verse number 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to, unto us the word of reconciliation. What, is, what are the particulars? What are we supposed to be working together with Him doing? Number one, we are to be reconciling others to Him. There should be a reconciliation to Him. That word reconciliation means to restore to favor. To restore to favor. Praise God, there are lost souls that God wants to save them. God wants to, uh, uh, to redeem them. And that message is in our hands. Amen? 
Everybody in this room is saved if you're saved. You're in this room because someone, someone introduced you to Christ. Someone told you this message. Someone took this ministry of reconciliation seriously and told you about it. The fact that there is a hell, the fact that there is a judgment, the fact that sin, it is real and all of us are sinners, but praise God, all of us can be reconciled to God. Amen. You, you and I, we were lost, but someone told us about the Lord and we can be reconciled. Praise God, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but the moment we got saved, you had to be quickened. We were made alive spiritually, and now we can fellowship with God. Our, 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 our relationship with Him has been established. We were reborn. Amen? Born again. We were redeemed. Praise the Lord for that. God did a work in our life, and all of us have the ministry of reconciliation. We should be pointing other people to the Lord Jesus Christ. As, as today's, we sprung forward our clocks, right? And uh, obviously you did, or else you'd just be walking in. Uh, you know, yeah. And, and, uh, but, you know, look outside. Didn't this morning just say spring? Awesome, amen? Yeah, right? No, but, but as the weather gets warmer and, and uh, we have more opportunities to get out and about, take them this summer. I challenged our... Uh, uh, school 7th through 12th graders this week they're from from uh, Daniel and Hosea and I've uh, been looking at different things this week in our devotions that that they that and uh, that that witness and share others with Christ Daniel said that we will shine as the stars in heaven and I challenged them I said let's all do our best to win one person this year to the Lord I ask all of our teenagers 7th through 12th grade, I said, how many of you have won a soul to Christ? And if, you know, you say, how many was it? I'm not going to tell you. It was between us and them. Because I wonder how many of us could raise our hand today. How many of us have won a soul to Christ? How many of us has told someone about the Lord? And I, I told them about you know, the importance of being able to, because there's people, and you don't have to be intimidated about that. That's why the Bible says we are witnesses. Right? All you got to do is say, tell them what happened to you. Y'all can do that. And I, and I, and I, I gave the illustration, what if you know, people came to me and said, I want to be saved, and I had no idea how to tell them. And Cody, Matt Nashley's teenage son, he said, well, I'm glad you could because you led me to the Lord. And I only say that because that spoke to those young people. And I said, what if I wouldn't have been willing? What if I had no idea what to say or was too intimidated what to say? I mean, you really got to answer that question. Cody may be on his way to hell today, but he's not. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Imagine if from now until next March, everyone in this auditorium won one soul to Christ. Amen? 
that shouldn't be an impossible task to ask. Now, I know it's God that saves. I understand that. It's not, but our job is to witness and to share it. You, you say, well, I just don't, I, that's just not me. Wrong. If you're saved, that's your job. That's your duty. He is given, look back in verse number 18, He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's all of our responsibility. That, that's, that's our responsibility. And I believe that's not just seeing people get saved, but reconciliation. You know, people can, can drift away from the Lord, and they may be saved, but they've lost that fellowship, they've gotten out of church, and they need to be reconciled. They need to get right. They need to end the hearts right. You say, well, let's reach out to them this year. I'm trying to challenge us as we enter this, sum, this summer and spring, all right? Let's get, let's get a hold of this. We are workers together with Him, not to sit in a pew. We are workers together with Him. Workers means we're doing something, right? Workers. You know, uh, Brother Doug owns a business. If he hired me to be a worker at his business, and I, and I, and I sat on a chair all day and played solitaire. And he said, hey, uh, you know, I'm not paying you to play solitaire. Well, I know, but I'm comfortable here. This is my comfort zone, Brother Doug. You know, I, 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 and, I'm, and I'm pretty good at this. Because I'm not paying you. Brother Doug would fire me, and well he should. Amen? You're afraid to amen because you know, right? Come on, you're sitting in a pew. And God has called us to be workers together with Him. So what are we working at? We should be the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling others to Him. But we have a second ministry, a second way of being a worker for the Lord is in chapter 15, verse number 20. Now then, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. All of us are to be workers together with Him. And the two things that Paul says we are to do is, number one, reconciling others to Him. And number two, all of us should be a representation of Him. You know, an ambassador in himself has no authority. It's who he represents. I love in our Hope program on Thursday night, and I'm just going to steal this because it was fantastic. Brother Kuyper was uh, talking, and, he, and uh, he, he talked about some time when he was able to work, and, and they watched as a purified gold. Right, brother? And, uh, and he said, uh, and he made this statement, and he's done it. I've never been around gold uh you know uh but uh he has and he said they would repeat this process and uh, they'd heat the flame and they'd remove the the impurities and he made the statement from experience when he worked there right that the process would be continued until you looked into that gold and could see a reflection of yourself that's when you knew the gold was pure right brother kyber what a powerful thing that is, right? God is doing a work in our life, but the whole process is so that when He looks at us, He can see Him in us. 
Our responsibility as an ambassador is to go in the power of he who sent us, in the authority of he who sent us, and to represent him to this world. That is our, our job. That is us being a worker for Christ, to be an ambassador. Now, everybody's really quiet. Everybody see that? All right? Amen. Amen. So do we? Do we represent him? Can people look at us and see him? Can people follow us around and see him? Husbands and wives, our marriages are to be a picture to a lost world of the love between Christ and his churches. So can they look at our marriage and see him? Can they look at our lifestyle and see him? That's why in the previous chapter, in chapter 5, verse number 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away, but all things are become new. When God saved us, he gave us everything, Peter says, that pertains unto godliness. We have his book. We have his spirit. We, we have the church to teach us. There's no excuse to sit and be ungodly all of our life. It's time to grow up. It's time to represent the Lord. It's time to go into this world and tell others about him and to preach the truth. Say, so what message do I have? Chapter 5 and verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ came and took all of our sin upon Himself so that we could be covered in His righteousness. To the lost person, that's our hope. That is our calling. That Christ died for us and if we put our faith in Him, His righteousness is placed on our account. And praise God, Christ in us. We can go to heaven because of His righteousness. For with the heart, man believed unto righteousness. If you're saved today, God made you righteous. What a, what a miracle that is. But also that verse applied, listen, as an ambassador, if God has saved me, shouldn't I represent Him? If I decide to take off His righteousness every day and live according to the old man, which everybody can do, and I live in the flesh and I live in my carnality, I am not being a worker with him. And no wonder we get frustrated in this Christian life. The particulars are that we are a ministry of reconciliation and a representative of him. But then you see back in chapter 6 and verse number 1, you see number 4, a pleading. It's a privilege to be a worker. Our partner is with him. The particulars is reconciliation and to represent him. And then the pleading Chapter 6, verse number 1, We then as workers together with him beseech you also. That word beseech, Paul's begging. Paul is imploring them. Begging them for what? What's the verse say? We beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. There may be some out there that would twist this verse and try to make it say that 
you know, you got saved, but you did it in vain and you lose your salvation. That doesn't line up with anything else in Scripture. When you receive Christ, you have eternal life. If that's not true, then God lied and put the whole thing away. Amen? So what's he talking about when he says, I beseech you, there's a pleading here, that you receive not the grace of God in vain. It's really simple when you just look at the Scriptures. We are workers together with Him. Amen? Our partner can be no greater with Him. It is a privilege to be a worker for Him. God even tells us what our, we are to be, how we're to be working for Him. It is to be done by being a, a, a reconciliation and being a representative of Him. But, if we get saved and we don't do these things, you've received the grace of God in vain. The grace of God should be working through us. And, and the grace of God in our life should be something, for by grace are you saved through faith. Amen? That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Amen? Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his, what? Workmanship created in Christ Jesus. The grace of God and salvation should naturally lead the spiritual being to be a worker for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we are sitting in our pew, we're not sending out the message, we're not passing out tracts, we're not involved in a ministry, and we're just twiddling our thumbs saying, I just don't want to get involved, I'm in my comfort zone, I'll do my Sunday morning, I'll go on and live my life, and nothing's ever changing, you have received the grace of God in vain in your life. That's a harsh statement. That's what it says. Amen. Again, it's not saying you're not saved. It's saying what? You're missing out on all that God, the purpose of your salvation is to have a relationship with Him so that right here on this earth, you you and I can be involved in these things. And I don't want us to receive the grace of God in vain. To understand and receive God's grace in your life. Listen to me to receive God's grace in your life but then to use that grace to hinder other people from coming to Christ I mean Paul talked about that right God forbid I mean you have been given liberty in Christ Jesus amen I'm just telling you what's going on all around us in our Christian nation is that churches are getting together and they love to talk grace. And I love to talk grace. God's grace is absolutely amazing. (laughs) If it weren't for God's grace, I'd be on my way to hell. But to use that grace and say, hey, brother, I know these areas of holiness and I know what the Bible says, but, you know, you, God's grace, man. God still loves me and I can live however I want to and have grace in my life and grace to other people. That's a message out there. So I don't don't have to live this holy life. I can lay aside God's holiness and I can live however I want to. And God's grace is still in my life. You are now using the grace of God to hinder other people from being reconciled 
and being a representation of him. And the grace of God is invading your life. You're taking God's grace and using it to hinder other people. How many of us are living in the blessings of God in our life? Absolutely. Uh, how many of us are daily loaded with his benefits? Amen. How many of us can say, God is good to me? Amen. All right. That is because of the grace of God. But to take all of the blessings and use them for our own selves and in an evil way or in a carnal way to consume them all of ourselves and never use what God has given us to reach other people, be it your talents, be it your time, be it your treasure, or whatever it is. But I want it. God gave it to me. God's so good to me. But we don't use it to reach anyone else. You have received the grace of God in vain. You're taking what God has given you to push other people away. What a privilege it is to be an ambassador for Him. It is a privilege, amen? But we take these privileges to indulge ourselves in our own life. Just stop. It's easy to get uncomfortable, right? Hearing these things. But it's a reality. That we can be a receiver of God's grace, but then we receive the grace of God in vain. If we are not using this new life, us as a new creature, with the blessings of God in our life, to reconcile others to Him, or to represent Him, that people can look at our lives and see God. To see a reflection of Christ. That's why he said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if we are not fulfilling these two responsibilities we have, we're receiving the grace of God in vain. Now, here's the good news it's in the Word of God because it can happen. But praise God, we can get right today. We can no longer use the grace of God in vain in our lives. We can now do something with it. And that's why Paul says, I beseech you. Who's he talking to in chapter 6 and verse 1? The church. I beseech you, brothers. <laughs> right? I beseech you, saints of God. And the Holy Spirit had it penned for us because the Holy Spirit speaking to us today. I beseech you, brethren. I beseech you, sisters. I beseech you, saints of God. We're not talking whether you're saved or not right now. I'm saying this, that Paul said to the Holy Spirit, to us and to them, that we can be receivers of the grace of God, but do it in vain if we're not workers with Him. So let's change that today. And I close with this last point, number five, the point. You had there the privilege, the partner, the particulars, the pleading, and now the point. Because in verse number two, it says, For he saith, and he quotes Isaiah chapter number 49. I have heard thee in a time accepted, in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, I've heard that verse, and you have too. I've probably used it. I'm saying, hey, today's the day of salvation. If you're not saved, get saved today. And absolutely, that's a great application. And I would reiterate that. If you're lost, be saved today. But the context of this verse is talking to believers, saying right now we have an opportunity that we're not guaranteed forever. 
Right now, those people across the street, those people in your community, this is the day of salvation. They can be reached. That door is still open. That's why we sent someone to Homestead, Florida, because the door's open. There's a day of salvation. Praise God, Claudia's oldest daughter got saved two weeks ago. That means Claudia and all three of her daughters have now accepted Christ as their Savior. I believe they're getting baptized today. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord for that. That's why, Brother Harrison, you saw the slide this morning. We're going to have different slides of who to pray for, different missionary each and every Sunday as part of our slides. And you saw the picture of the Magdalena Baptist Church. <laughs> pray for them. That's why Brother Harris is there because you walk in that church service and there's 20, 30, 35 people that are sitting there that have been led to the Lord, that love the Lord, they are growing in the Lord because that's the day, the day of salvation is upon us. That's why we're going to Mason. The day of salvation is upon us. That's why we sent someone to Colorado. The day of salvation is upon us. Amen? There will come a time when the Lord comes back. For the vast majority of everyone I just said, that door will close. That's why we got to do it now. And he quotes Isaiah 49. Turn there and we will close by reading this. The book of Isaiah, he quoted it, Isaiah 49, for a reason. Why would the Apostle Paul choose that verse? Isaiah 49. Verse number 8. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolation, the desolate heritage, that thou mayest say to who? Prisoners, go forth. To them that are in what? Show yourselves. They shall feed in a way, and their pastures shall be in all high places. Listen, the day of salvation, there's a lot of people out there, they're prisoners. There's a lot of people out there, they're in darkness. But we are living in the day of salvation. Amen? They can be set free. But we have to be workers together with Him. The ministry of reconciliation, of representation. Paul says, I beg you, church. I beg you, Travis. I beg you, saint of God, not to receive the grace of God in vain. But God has been good to you. Let's go to the prisoners. Let's go to them that are in darkness, that they may be set free.